0: Well, thank you for the answers to prayer, uh, both for Lee, uh, we pray for continued prayer for um, Dave and healing. We thank you for um, uh, the, um, just the hedge of protection that you put around Michael. Um, Just thank you again for using us as uh, your light in in a dark world. And we love you and ask these things in your name. Amen.
1: Amen. 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 Okay, let's uh, let's jump into Daniel two. And uh, by the way, I messed up last week and did not get the recording up uh, as I should have. So, luckily, jo- Janetta was looking for it and reminded me late last night. <clears throat> so, anyway, I will do better at making sure if if you miss or you have to duck out or whatever that the recording is up there if you want to catch uh, uh, catch it later. All right. If you, uh, if you remember from our introduction to Daniel, uh, the book of Daniel has two main emphases uh, after the introduction that we have here in chapter one. Chapters two through seven, verse 28 or so, focus on God's program or his prophecy for the Gentiles, the Babylonians. And if you remember... Uh, This part of the book, the the first part of the book, is written in Aramaic, which is a language that the Babylonians and the Gentile world would have understood. Chapters 8 through 12 focus on the effects of the Gentile world upon Israel. And so since the message is primarily directed at Israel, uh, chapters 8 through 12 are written in Hebrew. So uh, the first part of, of Daniel is written in Aramaic so that the Gentiles can read it. And the second part is written in Hebrew so that uh, Israel uh, can, can read it more is, uh, easily. So we begin with good old King Nebuchadnezzar having unusual dreams Now, remember, although the king is violent and evil and treacherous, he's very intelligent and uh, very, very shrewd, very, very smart man. So he's had these dreams before. He's had dreams before, but not like these. And so he's going to call in his own wise men to interpret. Now, remember from last week that that catch-all phrase, wise men, is a term for about five different disciplines they include magicians enchanters sorcerers astrologers um uh, diviners and so some of these uh, overlapped a little bit but let's take a quick quick look at the five specialties first magicians basically magicians uh, practice the occult the enchanters <laughs> may have used incantations or chants, therefore chanters, uh, enchanters, to seemingly exorcise spirits uh, from people. Sorcerers, unlike Mickey Mouse's character in The Sorcerer's Apprentice, they cast spells on other people. Uh, astrologers were kind of a priestly sect. They interpreted things based upon uh, the study of the stars. They worshipped the stars and when we uh, think about the wise men from the east that uh, followed the the star to uh, to Bethlehem and uh, and saw uh, Jesus when he was probably one and a half, maybe even two years old, uh, they were probably astrologers. And then diviners, what we are what we would call fortune tellers. They would divine the future uh, telling people what the future would hold. So, In general, wise men encompassed all of these different uh, specialties. And we're going to notice that Daniel tends to use that term uh, off and on to refer to all of them as as a group. And then sometimes he's going to single out one of those uh, groups themselves. So let's begin with Daniel 2. One night during the second year of his reign, let's stop there for a minute. This is Nebuchadnezzar's reign. One night during the second year of his reign. Uh, let's try to put a fix on that date. If we can generally say that Nebuchadnezzar re, uh, besieged Jerusalem in the third year of the king uh, reign of King uh, Jehoiakim, in Israel, in Judah. That would place the beginning of Daniel 1, about 606 BC. So given that Daniel and Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah were all taken captive and placed in the king's court uh, for a time of, of three years for training and s- supposed reprogramming, we can probably say that Daniel emerged from his education and began service to the king roughly around 603 B.C., about three years after he was taken captive. So when it's saying, it says the second reign of, ne- year of Nebuchadnezzar, what we're talking about is around 603 B.C. Daniel probably served in King Nebuchadnezzar's court as his advisor and premier interpreter of dreams from about this time in 603 B.C. to 539 B.C., And that's, you remember your history, when King Cyrus, uh, God allowed him to come in and overthrow the Babylonian Empire and shortly allowed the Judean captives to return to uh, Jerusalem. So chapter two begins with one night during the second year of his reign. We'll say that's about 603 BC. So during the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had such disturbing dreams, he couldn't sleep. He called in his magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers, and he demanded that they tell him what he had dreamed. As they stood before the king, he said, I have had a dream that deeply troubles me, and I must know what it means. Then the astrologers answered the king in Aramaic, remember the first part is written in Aramaic here, long live the king, tell us the dream and we'll tell you what it means. Well, that's, that's kind of a cop-out, and I, I can imagine that uh, King Nebuchadnezzar knows that these dreams are far more significant and troubling than the ones he's ever had before. So he shrewdly puts his wise men to the test, gathers them all together, all five disciplines together, and hopes that between all of them they can interpret his dream. So the assembled wise men hear this request, and it's uh, they, they answer, I, I imagine that they, they're kind of smiling, and they want to have favor with the king, and so they happily shout at this request, long live the king, you know, thinking that maybe this would catch some favor. <clears throat> well, when all else fails, appeal to the king's narcissism, I guess. That sounds like what their tactic was. Long live the king. Tell us the dream, and we'll tell you what it means. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar is starting to connect the dots in his head, and if these wise men can truly interpret dreams and foretell the future, then they ought to be able to tell him what the dream was, if they're so powerful. So verse 5, but the king said to the astrologers, I'm serious about this. If you don't tell me what my dream was and what it means, you will be torn limb from limb, and your houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. But if you tell me what I dreamed and what the dream means, I will give you many wonderful gifts and honors. Just tell me the dream and what it means. Now, imagine if you're one of those wise men there, I imagine right now you're starting to perspire at a pretty great rate. Blood pressure is probably going up. Uh, maybe you're starting to shake in your boots a little bit because uh, you're looking at the prospect, you know, you're a phony. And because of that, now the King is threatening to tear you from limb to limb. And at the end, the 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 order is interesting. He's going to tear them from limb to limb and then burn down their houses. Well, why would they care about the houses being burned down if their limbs have been torn? But anyway, that's the order that uh, that's the order that it came in. So they answer this way in verse seven. They said again, please, Your Majesty, tell us the dream and we will tell you what it means the king replied i know what you're doing you're stalling for time because you know i am serious when i say if you don't tell me the dream you're doomed so you have conspired to tell me lies hoping i will change my mind but tell me the dream then i'll know that you can tell me what it means now this remember this is not the this is not the first encounter between king nebuchadnezzar and these wise men uh if you remember king nebuchadnezzar's father was a ruler as well and and some of these guys are probably getting up in age and they're left over from his dad and and nebuchadnezzar is starting to smell a rat with these people and it's possible that uh, he's thinking you know i i i don't think these guys really have any supernatural powers So let's go on in verse 10 now and see what the astrologers come up with. The astrologers replied to the king. Now notice they're coming clean here. No one on earth can tell the king his dream. And no king, however great and powerful, has ever asked such a thing of any magician, enchanter, or astrologer. The king's demand is impossible. No one except the gods can tell you your dream, and they do not live here among the people. So it's an interesting revelation here that the wise men fess up. And what they're saying is, well, uh, we really don't have that kind of power that we claim to have. No, No human can possibly have that power, King Nebuchadnezzar. So King Nebuchadnezzar is taking all of this in, and he is getting more furious by the moment. Verse 12. The king was furious when he heard this, and he ordered that all the wise men of Babylon be executed. Boom. There we go. And because of the king's decree, men were sent to find and kill Daniel and his friends. Now, remember... God gifted Daniel with the ability to interpret dreams. And in the king's mind, Daniel and his friends were just among this wise men group. He'd spent three years trying to indoctrinate them and deprogram them from being uh, Jewish boys to being Babylonian uh, administrators. And so he marked them for execution as well. Now, Daniel has no idea what's going on at this point. Uh, he has no idea what's transpired in the king's court, but God gives him pretty much instantaneous wisdom on how to, uh, how to uh, sum this up. Verse 14, when Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, came to kill him, Daniel handled the situation with wisdom and discretion. Remember how old Daniel is now? He's probably 19, mm-hmm. maybe 20. Here he's looking at being killed. The king's executioner arrives, and Daniel handles the situation with wisdom and discretion. He asks Arioch, why has the king issued such a harsh decree? So Arioch told him all that had happened. Daniel went at once to see the king and requested more time to tell the king what the dream meant. Now, this is uh, interesting. Notice a couple of things about Daniel in this situation. He built relationships with people who weren't like him. He built relationships with people who didn't believe in the God that he knew was true. He, did, he built relationships with people who didn't eat like him, look like him, act like him, uh, were trained like him. And he, he built on those relationships uh, by building trust with the most pagan anti-God people on the face of the earth at that time. And I think it's a reminder for us as well that no matter who God puts in front of us, there's purpose in them being there, and our responsibility to God is to reflect his character in front of these people, and to look for points of grace. Points of grace of those are those things, uh, those areas of, of concern that we all share, things we can both agree on or both value, no matter what our theology is, no matter what our background is, no matter what our race is, no matter what our political political point of view is, God can work in us and through us to influence others, even, even atheists and non-believers and people that don't like us very much. So what are examples of these points of grace? Well, it can be as simple as, you know, potholes uh, in the county streets that that rip up your tires and mess up the suspension on your car. We can all agree we don't like those potholes. Or maybe it's street lights that are out and haven't been fixed. We can all agree that street lights, when they're on, uh, help reduce crime uh, because people don't tend to do nefarious things when the light is shining on them. So uh, again, we're looking for uh, and, and the homeless issue. Uh, you know we can all agree we need to tackle it we may have different ways of approaching it but we need to address it so these are those points of grace and obviously daniel has been busy over the past three years developing relationships perhaps over points of grace and he's he's developed trust with a lot of these uh with a lot of these officials so I have obviously he built a relationship with ch who was the king's Uh, Most High Executioner. So Ariok came to kill him. Daniel stands firm in the light of God's mission, and he uses that trusted relationship with Ariok to ask a question. Why has the king issued such a harsh decree? And then Ariok tells him uh, what had happened. So now now notice this. This is amazing. And, And it's about another relationship. Daniel went at once, he didn't hardly have to think about it, he went at once to see the king and requested more time to tell the king what the dream meant. So Daniel not only leverages his relationship with uh, uh, Arioch, but Daniel confidently and apparently without any fear or any trepidation uses his relationship with this King Nebuchadnezzar character, which has been building for three years now, to ask the king boldly. He doesn't come meekly to the king. He doesn't come trembling to the king. He comes confidently to the king and says, can we have a, a bit more time? Because Daniel is confident in his God giftings, absolutely confident that this is a God appointment And uh, no doubt whatsoever that God is going to reveal to him the exact nature of King Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Now, remember, Daniel has already received this gifting from God. So he's absolutely confident that God will allow him to uh, not only interpret the dream, but identify it as well. So for King Nebuchadnezzar, this is a breath of fresh air. It's not the response he got from his own wise men. It's the response he was looking for, a confident statement that these wise men could not only interpret the dream, but they could tell him what the dream was out of the blue. And although confident in God's sovereignty in the situation, Daniel and his friends do what we all should do when we're under such life and death situations, they pray. And we talked about that uh, at the top of our worship time today so look what happens here in in uh, verse 17 <clears throat> then daniel went home and he told his friends Hananiah, mishael and Azariah what had happened he urged them to ask the god of heaven to show them his mercy by telling them the secret so they would not be executed along with the other wise men of babylon That night, the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven. He said, praise the name of God forever and ever, for he has all wisdom and power. He controls the course of world events. He removes kings and sets up other kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the scholars. He reveals deep and mysterious things and knows what lies in the darkness, though he is surrounded by light. I thank you and praise you, God of my ancestors, for you have given me wisdom and strength. You have told me what we asked of you and revealed to us what the king uh, demanded. This is not only a beautiful but amazing prayer. Daniel doesn't just thank God thanks for letting us know, God. He details the reasons that he's praising God's God for the answers to prayer. And, and I'm going to ask you to, to uh, uh, join me in an exercise. If you want to, that's great. If you don't want to, that's fine and perfectly fine to do it silently. That That's, that's great. I'd like you to I like to ask that, that you pause with me right now and think of a recent answer to prayer. Um, maybe it's a major thing. Lori mentioned the the spiritual and very vicious and personal attacks and threats suddenly stopped. And I have no, no doubt for me that that was a result of many people praying. So think of, it, if you don't mind, a recent answer to prayer, and I mean a significant one. And how might you thank God the way Daniel did about your own situation? The praise and worship here is very contextual. It's very detailed um, in, in, in regards to Daniel's situation. So if you don't mind, just let me read each verse. I'm going to pause and then think about that answer to prayer that that you've received, and see if we can contextualize that the way Daniel did. In fact, I'm going to take the the pastors on our Wednesday prayer time through this on Wednesday as well, so humor me if if you would, and uh, and I I did this last night in in the wee hours, and it, it was a blessing. All right, so think about your answer to prayer, and try to contextualize it and thank God in the way that Daniel's thanking God for his. Praise the name of God forever and ever, for he has all wisdom and power. Again, I'll pause after each verse for you to think about that and maybe pray it back. He controls the course of world events. He removes kings And he sets up other kings. So he gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the scholars. He reveals deep and mysterious things and knows what lies hidden in darkness though he is surrounded by light. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors, for you have given me wisdom and strength. You have told me what we asked of you and revealed to us what the king demanded. So I don't know about you, but as I go through and I reread this prayer, I can contextualize, for example... The answer to prayer about the threats I was receiving when the radio show began. And I can alter that prayer, Daniel's prayer, to fit my situation. And and for me, it moves beyond just thanking God, which is very appropriate, but it moves into being very detailed with God. This This is why I'm praising you. This is why I'm thanking you. This is the depth of the situation that I was praying for. This is how you answered it. And and ending with, you did what I asked of you. And and so I, I praise you for that. So anyway, I don't know if it hit you like it hit me, and it's perfectly fine if it didn't. But uh, we hours last night, I, I just said, you know, this... I'm going to keep this in front of me. And when I thank God for prayers, I'm going to use this as, as a model. I think it's just absolutely incredible. Okay. Any thoughts on that at all?
0: Do we have any record of how many wise men were killed? No. Did they wipe them out? Mm -mm.
1: Okay. I think you need to move your earpiece down a little bit, Lori. It's, it's a a little light. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Okay. So, and by the way, we're, we may end a little early today.
0: <laughs> we totally understand. <laughs> because there's
1: this little sporting event today. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> there's another lesson, I think, to be learned here about letting others take credit for our own accomplishments. This is hard to do. Um, and, and, and I don't say that, that in a codependent way but in a way that acknowledges that other people's dysfunctions are not ours to fix, and that we really need to seek God's wisdom on which hills we choose to die on, so to speak. Ariok is a schemer, the, the Lord High Executioner for King Nebuchadnezzar. He's a schemer, and Daniel has been very honest with him. He's been very upfront with him. He's, he's developed a, a trusting relationship with Ariok. But Arioch is going to use Daniel's skill to puff his own self up in, in front of the king. Notice how what Arioch does and how Daniel handles it. Verse 24 Then Daniel went in to see Arioch, whom the king had ordered to execute the wise men of Babylon. Daniel said to him, Don't kill the wise men, take me to the king. And I will tell him the meaning of his dream. Now, notice what Ariok does. Ariok quickly took Daniel to the king and said, I have found, I have found from one of the captives from Judah who will tell the king the meaning of the dream. Ariok lied. He used the situation to leverage his own standing before the king. He didn't find Daniel he was sent to kill Daniel. Daniel's the one that told him, well, hang on, let's go to the king and ask for more time. But Arioch saw the opportunity to change this narrative to make him the focus of the great news, not so much Daniel. I have found one of the captives from Judah who will tell the king the meaning of his dream. Notice what Daniel does. Daniel does not say, liar, liar, pants on fire. Uh, Daniel does not go on social media and say, no, that's not the way it happened. I'm the one that, that came up with this. You know it's, there's a difference between being right and proving you're right. Oftentimes the process of proving that you're, of having to prove that you're the one in the right creates more havoc and more destruction than just letting God take care of the lying offender. Isn't it? Oh, man, that's a profound statement. Yeah, well, Yes. and I'm thinking, uh, John, are you still on the line here? Yes. Yeah, John, there have been many times, several times anyway, over the past 18, 19 years where the construction team of ABC has come in at the request of other agencies or nonprofits or whatever, and they have saved the day. They've built ramps. They've put in grab bars. They've uh, made minor home repairs. And I have literally seen the other agencies that referred the people to us. I have seen them in print in the Modesto B take credit. I have seen other ministries take credit for Things Advancing Vibrant Communities has done. <laughs> Why have I just let it go? Because God knows who did it. And it's not important who gets the credit. It's important that that person was served by messengers of God through the construction team. And for those people, I give them over to God and say, look, that's, that's your thing. If you want to nuke them for lying, that's, that's your prerogative. But, but I'm not asking for that. My hope is that, you know, they would come to know you and maybe you'd provide a little conviction deep down inside of them. But you really have to decide on what hill you want to die on. And if you take every offense and try to make and prove you right, you'll spend your whole life in great anxiety like Don Quixote, you know ramming at windmills that really don't make a whole lot of difference. So I think Daniel gives us a, a, a great model here on how to respond to things like that. Now, are there times when we need to bring the light of truth onto major deceptions? Yeah, but, but really that that's a process for me anyway of going to God and say, all right, is this something you want me to respond to or not? And mostly it's, or not. And you just take this recent thing with the, the threats on social media and, and, and the threatening texts I got. God said, you know, that's my arena. That, that's not your concern. Your job is to continue to do what I asked you to do on the radio and not depart from it. I will take care of these other things. And so it's, I think it's a good lesson learned and and we can take daniel as our role model there
0: mike do you think threats okay excuse me do you think threats are commonplace i was talking about it with elaine because of radio yesterday and she said it's it comes with the territory and i said well that's what mike said you know that anytime you're in the public you're open to those things
1: yes and and that's part, I mean, look at someone we know well, Jesus Christ. For all the good that he did in those three years that he ministered on earth, what was his so-called earth reward? Yes. They killed him, executed him. So, you know, Jesus told us, they hate me, they're going to hate you. And, and I think the, the thing to remember here, Lee, is that it's a spiritual battle. Yeah, and that—that's why I can't and I won't take it personally. Um, you know, it's hard yes. not to do that. Now,
0: very hard. Some of you
1: remember very hard. Some of you remember I had a stalker a couple of years ago, and this guy was certifiably uh, a fifty-one fifty. He—he was uh, certifiably uh, uh, crazy. A mental case. Yeah, he was crazy. And it was about six, two or six, three. And um, I had uh, measures stored in my office just in case he came through the door. But anyway, yeah. um, he that threat had to be taken seriously. And so I went to the sheriff's department, and they had his name, oh. they had the circumstance, and they knew. If something happened, whom to look for? Um, but but that was the case where he he began showing up at ABC, and I think that's back when Elaine was.
0: Uh, yes, I remember this. that.
1: Yeah, and yeah. and so there's a point where a threat has to be taken seriously, but I didn't engage with him. In fact, when he would show up, I told him we're not we're not talking about this. I, I have nothing to say to you, uh, and uh, so anyway. There's a point where you know threats have to be addressed, but to do the back and forth in public, bad news.
0: No, no.
1: Bad, bad, bad news. Yeah. But you're and right. So and and
0: it, Ma- Mike, and I know you faced a little bit of that from things I've read on comments, but it's so futile. I mean, what it just makes it bigger and bigger and bigger if you respond. I, I think, anyhow.
1: It, it all it fuels the fire and that's what the enemy wants and uh and the other thing um, lee is and, and many of you know this when you step out in a role like i've stepped out in with the radio i become a public figure and legally when you're a public fi- figure people can lie about you and lie to you all day and you basically have no recourse Can't so i know
0: am. it's It's a bad thing because there's so much, you know, people behave on social media like they would never behave in person. It's just it's like all their anger comes out in these um, in these comments and things. And it makes me want to defend people that I care about. And occasionally I do, but not on social media.
1: No. Yeah. Good. Good wisdom. Good wisdom. All right, so Daniel lets it go. And uh he doesn't even give it a a second thought because he know what he knows what his mission is, and that's important for us to always know what our calling is. What 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 has God asked us uh to do? All right, let's look at verse my context blurring up. Is it verse six? I think it's verse six. Verse six, no, no, twenty no,
0: 26. no, no,
1: no, no.
0: 26. 26. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Say, the, two, uh... the two is missing.
1: <laughs> the two is missing here. I thought that, that's kind of odd. Boy. All right. Verse 26. Here we go. The king said to Daniel, also known as Belteshazzar, that, that's how it's pronounced in the right. uh, Belteshazzar. Is it true? Can you tell me what my dream was and what it means? And Daniel replied, there are no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or fortune tellers who can reveal the king's secret, but there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, and he has shown King uh, Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the future. Now I will tell you your dream and the visions you saw as you lay on your bed. Notice very interestingly how Daniel affirms the confession of the wise men who said the very same thing. There are no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or fortune tellers who can reveal the king's secret. And Daniel affirms that in front of the king. He affirms truth. And then without beating King Nebuchadnezzar over the head with the Torah, Daniel makes a simple statement of faith here. This is this, uh, How he does this, I think, is wonderful. So he says, you know, King, nobody on earth can do what you're asking them to do. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, and he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar. He speaks to him in the third person out of respect. What will happen in the future? Now, I will tell you your dream and the visions you saw as you lay on your bed. Notice Daniel puts no focus upon himself. He gives God all the credit, all the glory for what's happening here. And as we experience great answers to prayer, as we walk through the doors of opportunity that God places before us, I think we have to remember that. I've often told you of for funerals, as I'm driving down to Lakewood or wherever it might be, I'm, I don't have the radio on or anything. I'm, I'm praying for God to empty me of myself, to fill me with the Holy Spirit for this particular assignment so that they don't hear me, but they hear God. They don't see me, but they sense God. And that's what's happening here. And I think that's a process that's that's good to go through. And this is why, again, we don't thump our chests at advancing vibrant communities about accomplishments we we give god the credit and uh, over the years you know there have been times as i said when you know there's that initial brush bristle that i have that well man john and bill and and jerry and jerry and all those guys they're the ones that did that and god says i know that calm down I'm sovereign. I've got this in hand. This is my kingdom-building strategy here, and so don't mess it up, Mike. Just do what I asked you to do, and 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 leave it at that. I'll take care of the the other folks. and And it really hurts when it's friendly fire.
0: Oh yes,
1: <laughs> you know oh, what I'm yes. saying. <laughs> that that hurts. People but that
0: you trust and that yeah.
1: yes like yes <laughs> and and again the way to get through that is to say okay god you know it's i i leave that with you i pray blessings upon that person and whether they ever tell the truth about this or not whether they ever quit taking credit or compete or whatever it might be lord that's that's your domain not mine. And I I just want to stick with, with what the mission is that you gave me. So anyway, so there we go. uh, Verses one to 28. And uh, next week we'll, uh, we'll begin with verse 29. As you notice, this is a fairly long chapter. And so we'll see what happens as Paul Harvey would say next week, we'll have the rest of the story. Uh, Very interesting.
0: (laughs) Very interesting.
1: So any, any reactions, questions? observations
0: well i can't wait for next week but (laughs) yeah Yeah.
1: for sure all right okay um i had never getting back to that prayer of daniel's i've read Mm -hmm. daniel i don't read daniel like all the time but over the years, I, I've i passed over that prayer like, yeah, that was cool. And for some reason last night, I guess it's something impressed me about God's answers to prayer lately. It just struck me that, man, my, my own prayers are, are pretty puny <laughs> compared to Daniel's. And it's not that I have to compete with Daniel at all. God's not asking me to be Daniel, but there's something to be learned from taking the time to specifically praise God for the specific things that he does. And I think he enjoys that. Um, he he like, First of all, he enjoys conversing with us. He enjoys his relationship with us. And then he, he enjoys it when we praise him for what, because he's done it for us. Yes, he's done it for his ultimate kingdom plan, but he answers prayers that we've asked him to answer, so that we'll learn things, so that we will become stronger in our relationship with him, and 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 uh, and draw closer and and further ourselves in that process of sanctification of becoming more like Christ. So, anyway, uh, may not have hit you that way, but it, it just uh, it it just. God hit me up the side of the head with a four by four last night with that. So th- thank you for humoring me with going through that exercise, uh, today. Anyway. All right. Uh, if there's, uh, nothing else. And I did remember to record this. So those who weren't okay. here, uh, today, uh, you, you have the recording and again, we'll start, uh, Daniel two verse 29 next week. So, um, um, uh, Brenda, uh-huh. would you would you like to uh, close us in prayer today?
0: Sure, sure. Oh, well, Father, we just thank you for this time that we can get together, even though we're not physically together, Lord, we are together in spirit. And I just thank you for your word. How even after we've read it many, many times, as Pastor Mike has said, he's read this many times, and how you spoke to him so clearly about a certain passage. Lord, we just thank you that that is what your word um, does for the believer, Lord, and opens up eyes and hearts in uh, revelations, like um, every time we read it, Father. Just thank you for this day. Thank you for answered prayers. And Lord, we look forward to a great week till we can be together again. In Jesus name, amen.